I know Debbie would like me to express um, both of our gratitude. Oh, thank you. What would I do without her? <laughs> express our gratitude for just such an incredible welcome. I don't know how to, to thank y'all enough. The love and the um, appreciation has just been overwhelming, and thank you. It speaks to the, I think, to the heart of Wales, um, and it doesn't go without notice, believe me. You know, we're beginning a, a journey together today, and I know, listen, there'll be some bumps along the roads. Um, some of them bigger than others. But I can assure you of something. If we'll treat each other with grace, with the same grace that, that we receive from the Lord, and if we're willing to forgive one another in the same way we, want, we ask the Lord to forgive us, then I can assure you there'll be nothing that God won't do through us for his own name. Because that's why we're here. We're not here for me and Kevin. We're not here. We're here to exalt the name of the one of him. There's no other name worthy of worship and praise. And I am grateful to be able to stand here. Someone said this morning, I made a comment about you do this for a while, and they said, well, it gets easier. And I said, it may for some, listen, for me, it gets heavier. Because the more I study, the more I, I see who it is I'm proclaiming. Folks, listen, you don't know the weight that is. When you're charged to speak and the name of the one that created you. I don't take it lightly. I know I asked Daniel to read um, a good portion of scripture this morning, and I started to back off, and I, and I learned later that sometimes he'll read a whole chapter for Kevin, so um, I may end up having him read a book before it's over with. So, um, Daniel, thank you, brother. Um, I, I know we, we, we're going to take time about preaching, so, and I talked to Kevin about this some last night, and we're going to be in the book of Colossians, and which, I, look, all scripture is inspired, I know, amen? amen? From Genesis to Revelation. But there are just some parts of scripture that just has always gripped me. And Colossians is that for me. I mean, I, I appreciate every word of Scripture, every inspired word, every word that's inspired. I, I am, I, I'm grateful that God gave us this book. And, but for some reason, Colossians just has always held a special place in my heart. And I, I pray I'm just over the next few weeks able to share that with y'all. But I won't get through the book of Colossians before I know Kevin will need to step back in the pulpit, and that's fine. We'll come to a break, and then Kevin will take off, and then I'll come back and finish Colossians. So, um, you know, Lord willing. So y'all just bear with us. Um, I won't leave you in mid-sentence. It'll come to a good break, and then I know Kevin will be, I, I can tell by his face when he's ready to get up here. And, and, I, and I might go an extra week just to keep him, keep him hungry, but... Um, because it's, it, but it's been a blessing for me to listen to, to hear some of the greatest preaching I, I, around. Uh, I, I've got a friend in Uganda that I study with, and I, I sent him a message. I said, Obed, you got to hear this. Brother, he was blessed. You're speaking life to people in Uganda. You may never know that, knew that, but he's sharing it. And Obed is a fine young man. 
So, um, the reason I, I've, I've said that about reading, because that, and we're not going to get into this in detail right now, but I'm going to read something in a minute and we're going to pray. But I talked to Kevin about this this morning and some others that were around. You know, this is a letter from the Apostle Paul to a church. Just as the, the first and second Corinthians were, just as Rome, the book of Romans, Philippians. Um, and when, when these letters were received, what they probably did was got the gathered church together and then somebody read the letter. So, you know, reading 14 verses or a chapter, you know, might seem a bit tedious to us. Can you imagine being in a church in Corinth and reading 1 Corinthians? I mean, 15, 16 chapters. I mean, sitting together while this man reads this. And then when you get through reading it, you're going to study it together. You're going to discuss it together. Somebody's going to teach what Paul was preaching, what Paul shared in the letter. So they didn't have, you know, a one-hour clock. Nobody had something in the crock pot that they broke up at a certain time. You know, I mean, they went till they got through, which kind of says a lot about our idea of what worship is and about what it means to gather together. I'm not going to go to 2 o'clock, so don't anybody freak out. We'll get through in a timely manner. But that's what they did. I mean, in chapter 4, verse 16, Paul said, look, when you read this letter, also read the letter that I wrote to Laodicea and let them read the letter I wrote to you. So they were, these letters were cyclical. They were going around to different churches. That's how they spread it. That's how they spread the word. It was by mouth originally. Then these uh, apostles started writing letters and, and then Luke wrote his gospel and, you know, Acts and all this got disseminated. And that's how doctrine was spread. That's how the biblical faith was spread. And Colossians is, is not real unique. It's like Philippians and Ephesians in that usually the first half of the book is doctrine. And you think, why do we need doctrine? All doctrine means is teaching. And that's what the first part of these letters were. They were teaching. Because don't listen, if your doctrine's not right, your living won't be right. If you don't believe the right thing, you're not going to live the right way. I mean, you can believe the right thing and live wrong. Don't get me wrong. There are plenty of people like that. They believe all this stuff right, but then they live like the devil. You can do that. But you can't live right without knowing what God says is right. And so we're going to pick up from the first chapter of the book of Colossians. And before we get in, let's bow and pray for a moment. Father, thank you for this opportunity. And God, I pray that the name of Christ is, is exalted. God, that we would each have ears to hear and hearts to understand. And God wills that are yielded to your Spirit's work among us. Father, I pray there won't be a soul leave here this morning that your Holy Spirit doesn't deal with in a way that you know their life needs dealing with. Father, I ask you that no one leave here the same way they came in, including myself. Father, do a work among us that only you can do. And we'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory for it. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. 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 Colossians chapter 1. And I, being four short chapters, I, I encourage you just to, to take some time this week, sit down and read through this entire letter. In one sitting, just sit down, take about 20 minutes and read through it. And then when you get through, do it again. Do it multiple times. We're going to be here for three or four weeks, so you might as well get used to it, okay? You, listen, the more familiar you are with the, with the letter, the better you're going to receive what God teaches us through it. It's not going to seem odd or new to you, okay? So if you want to learn, read it. Read it. Listen, God is a speaking God. You know that? Our God speaks. First words recorded in the Bible, God said, let there be light. God speaks. So even though, listen, Paul had never met these people in Colossae. He never met them, but he'd heard about them. And they knew who he was. And the church was probably started 
by Epaphras or Epaphras, however you want to put the emphasis on his name. And Paul, he was probably saved as a result of Paul's ministry in Ephesus. And then he goes back to his home in Colossae, shares the gospel. Some people are saved and they gather together and, and form a church. And not only there, probably, he was probably pastor over at least Colossae and maybe Laodicea and Hierapolis too. All three of those, of those areas. But at least we know over, over Colossae. And so what was going on, there were some strange teachings that were being surfaced and, and, and Epaphras didn't know quite how to deal with it. So who do you go to? You go to your mentor. You go to the one that led you to the faith. And so he goes to where Paul was in prison for the gospel. And he said, Paul, this is going on. What do I do? How do I deal with this false teaching that's, take, that's coming into the church and my people are being led astray by it? Folks, it happens all over. And that's why this is a, a very timely letter for us today. Because if, it, if there ever was a time in the history of the church that we needed people to be guarded against being led astray by every wind of doctrine, it's today. Because you can turn on the TV and the radio and hear anything you want to hear come out of the mouth of a so-called preacher. And very seldom do they cite this book right here in context. They can twist it any way they want. And you've got, listen, if you're not steeped in what God's word says, you can be led astray. You can be led astray. So Paul, he's probably converted during Paul's three-year ministry in Ephesus. So Epaphras learned from Paul what to pass on. And listen, you know, our faith is a faith that it is meant to be passed on. Paul told the, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he said, What you've learned from me, entrust the faith with me, and who can then teach others also. From Jesus to Paul to Timothy to others and the, and the more. You know what happened to Israel? You know why Israel went off the rails? In the book of Judges, chapter 2, it says this, that all of the elders, all of the people of Israel, lived according to God's word, even after Joshua died, until all the elders that knew what happened when they came out of Egypt died. Listen, then it said in a, a generation arose that did not know what God had done for Israel, bringing them out of Egypt. The very next verse says this, and Israel, Israel did evil in the sight of God. You want to see people doing evil? You let them forget what God's done for us in the past. And they'll go off on any, other, in any tangent they want to go off in. So Paul writes to this church in Colossae. There's no um, wicked practices that are being addressed like he did in, the, with, Corinth, with Corinth. They had problems with sexual immorality. People were suing one another. The rich people were belittling the poor in the church. And they were exalting some spiritual gifts over others and, and making others feel like they weren't important for the kingdom of God. And Paul addressed that in the church in Corinth. There was no such thing going on in, in Colossae that Paul needed to address. But there, again, but there were things going on that needed to be dealt with, and that was these false teachings. But, and the false teachings seemed to, there, there's always two things that are, that are in practice when this happens. Any kind of false teaching has two things in common. Number one is this. The work and person of Christ is diminished. The other thing is, is that you need some kind of special or secret knowledge in order to work to be, make yourself right with God, to be acceptable before God. Here's what happens. Here's the commonality. And you'll, you catch it if you listen. When you exalt our worth, you diminish God's sovereignty. You cannot, listen, you cannot keep God in his rightful place in your mind and exalt yourself at the same time. When you see God for who he is, you will be humbled. That's why Paul said, how else could Paul ever say, 
called himself, the, the, he said, I am the, in the chief of sinners. He didn't say I was. He said, I am the chief of sinners. You know, I look out over, over this, this congregation, this sanctuary, and I can tell you this, I don't see anybody any more wicked than I am. Nobody. I got a feeling sometimes we don't know ourselves. Remember what I said R.C. Sproul said? You know what's wrong with you people? We don't know who God is, so we don't know who we are. We, so we don't know who we are. So here's how Paul, he refutes all of this throughout this short letter. And we're not going to be able to get into them in detail. We're going to do that in subsequent weeks. But what I want us to do this morning is, we, is to work through and look at these different warnings. We're going to begin first with a greeting that Paul, uh, that Paul writes and then move on into the first 14 verses. We'll get through this morning. And I, folks, listen, hold on. Hold on. Because in just these few words, uh, listen, Paul is going to take us on a trip. And, and, I, and I pray you're on for the ride. Are you with me? Amen. Look, all right, look what Paul said, his greeting. He, although Paul wrote this letter while in prison. Let that grip you. Paul's in prison for preaching the gospel. And he writes a letter to people and says, look, here's how you live in a way that pleases God. You may just be end up in the prison with me, but listen, you want to please God, here's the way you live. Here's the way you live. Paul was not, no matter if, even if he's in prison, listen, it didn't turn him aside from his calling and his purpose. And I want you to look at what his calling is, is recorded in Acts chapter 9, and just, just in the exchange between him and you remember a man named Ananias? Paul was struck blind on the road to Damascus. And, and Jesus came to Ananias and said, I want you to go speak to this Paul. And Ananias argued with him. I said, Lord, he's come here to kill people. And look what the Lord tells him. He said, the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before Jesus and kings and the children of Israel for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. I think I touched on this Wednesday night. Let me ask you a question. If you're a believer in Christ, if you put your trust and faith in him and repent of your sins, I want you to think back to that moment. If in that moment you'd have heard I want you to follow me and I'm going to show you how much you're going to have to suffer for my name. Amen. Would you have said amen, Lord? Amen. Lord, show me the way. He's worth suffering for. That was Paul's calling. That was part, we've forgotten those things. We've forgotten where Paul said, if any man is going to suffer persecution, you live for Christ. You're to, Jesus said, if they hated me, they'll hate you. And, you know, we seem to think the world ought to love us. And, you know, we dumb down our testimony before people and our lives because we don't want people to look at us as though they're strange. We ought to be strange to people. We ought to be weird. But we, won't, we don't want people to think we're, we, we don't people think we're crazy. Listen, when you're living in darkness and you're what? And you're light. We're going to blind people. And, but you know what we do? We, just what Jesus said, don't do. We put a bushel over our. We don't want to be quite as broke. We don't want to hurt people's eyes. You know, I've had people tell me before. You know, you rock, stepped all over my toes this morning. Well, brother, I'm sorry. 
because I was aiming for your heart. And I, I, it's kind of an old wag among pastors, but it's true. I don't want to step on anybody's toes. I want the Holy Spirit to take his word, not what I say, his word, and wring your heart out. Because, listen, I know what happens when he pierces your heart. You'll end up on your face. And just a pile of tears. Can you believe I ever cry? I think I'm Bobby Powell's son. I'm. <laughs> but that was Paul's calling. And here's how he took Paul's calling. He understood, when he understood what Christ was calling him to, he understood what Christ was calling him for. Look and he says his purpose. Look over in chapter 1 of Colossians, verse 24 through 29. Paul said, now I rejoice in my sufferings. I, I can't get over these words. I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. That, folks, that's a different spirit from us, is it not? I rejoice in my sufferings for you. Paul meant it. He meant it, folks. You don't say those things in a prison cell unless you mean it. You might say it out there, you know, when life's comfortable. Look, I don't mind suffering for you while life is comfortable. Put me in a dark, in a, in a Roman prison and then hear me say, hey, I rejoice in this for you. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. He doesn't mean that he is for a, a sacrifice for sin. That's not what Paul's talking about, his suffering for them. What he doesn't mean for salvation, he means for their sanctification. He's suffering in order for the church to grow. Listen, I can't pay for the debt of your sins. You can't. You can't. Our sin insulted an infinitely holy God. So it's going to take an infinite holy sacrifice to placate an infinitely holy God and to cover infinitely wicked sin. And there's only one man that could do that. And it was Jesus of Nazareth. And he did it on a hill called Golgotha when they nailed him to a cross and he bled and died. There's our hope. There's our hope. So Paul said, he said, uh, the of the church of, of which I became a minister, verse 25, according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Well, what a calling, brother. I mean, to make the word of God fully known, to make sure everybody that we're dealing with understands what God is saying here, the full counsel of God, the whole counsel of God, not just little pet things here and there. But listen, our calling as pastors, as teachers, as elders, is that you understand as much as we can grasp with this finite mind the beginning and the ending of what God intends for his creation. And for us in particular, and for us in particular, <clears throat> I was going to mention this later, but I'm going to mention it now. If you want to know what's going on in this world, pick up your newspaper. Watch the news if you want to know what's going on. If you want to know why it's happening, if you want to know why things are like the way, like the way they are, then read this book. It'll tell you what the why. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's all over. You can put, put everything that's going on in this world in one of those three categories. So Paul knew what it's calling, the purpose is to make the word of God fully known, the mystery, 
Now, boy, this is where you need to hold on. Look, the mystery hidden from ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. What is this mystery? To them God chose to make known among the, how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Did you get that? That's what the mystery was. It was hidden all throughout the Old Testament, the prophets. That there was going to come a time when God by his spirit was going to reside in every single person that was a believer that is going to trust the Messiah. Folks, that ought to be the greatest news you've ever heard. That Christ resides in you. You don't have to go find him. He's there. In you. You don't go to a, a temple to worship. That's what Jesus said. There's going to come a time you won't go to Mount Gerizim or you won't go to Jerusalem. Because God is looking for people that are worshiping in spirit and truth. In spirit and truth. He resides in you. The hope of glory, verse 28, him we proclaim. That's the message. We don't proclaim ourselves. Listen, we're not proclaiming Wales Baptist Church. We're not going to proclaim Baptist doctrine. We're not going to proclaim anything but him. Because all, all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you know him, when you know him, you have all you need. Didn't we, didn't the words on the screen earlier about something like that, you're all I need? Folks, you don't need anything else. You don't need anyone else. Him we proclaim, but here's what he's, look, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. My goodness, what a calling. I, you know, that I've seen that as my calling for a, a good while now. That wherever I minister, wherever I serve, whoever I serve, I want to pour myself into those people so that we can mature together in our faith. That's why, Paul, look what Paul says. He said, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Listen, there's going to come a time when Kevin and I are going to stand before that, that throne, brother, and we're going to give an account for the way we under-shepherded his people. And you're going to give an account for how submissive you were to what was taught. You're going to give an account for how you learned. If you learned. How much you learned. And it, listen, and it's going to depend on how faithful we were to sharing it with. You see why it's so important to share the whole counsel of God? I don't want to get there and you stand before God and say, well, Lord, I never heard that. I mean, I can just see that happening. You know? That'd worry me to death. Kirby, you stand up there and the Lord asks you, well, I never heard that. And I can see the Lord look over at me and say, well. That's not Kirby's fault. I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of it. Listen, folks, that's serious business. Just stand before the king of glory, the, the one who created me and, and give an account for how well I presented him to people. You see why that's a weight for every pastor I know? And if it's not, he doesn't know what he's doing. Paul's not through. Look at verse 29. He said, for this I toil. Those two words, for this I toil. 
Let me ask you a question. What are you toiling for? What are you toiling for? What do you spend your time working for? Now I'm not talking, earn a living. I understand that. Can you point to something and say, it's this. For this, I'm toiling. You know what, Paul? He said, it's for you people at Colossae that I'm toiling. That I'm working so hard. It wasn't for himself. It wasn't for any, you know, any, anything in return. Listen, he was doing it for them. I toil. Look at that the next word. Struggling with all his might. Or excuse me, with all his energy, he powerfully works in me. Struggling. I, you know, I looked at the Greek word. You know what that word, it comes from the Greek word where we get our English word, agonize. Paul, Paul said, look, for this, I toil in agony. Folks, there's never reason for any one of you to take lightly what's being preached Please don't. And that's kind of what Paul's laying. He wasn't putting a guilt trip on anybody. He was just saying, look, this is something, this thing right here, you mature in your faith, is what I struggle for. It's what I agonize over. And we'll see later on that, that Epiphras did too as their pastor. He, he worked himself to death for them. He prayed for them. Paul saw the way he prayed for them, the way he labored for them. Paul saw that. So that's Paul's purpose. Secondly, look at thanksgiving for the church. He said, we always thank the God, thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and the love you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. And I'm going to stop there for a minute. I want us to look at these three things. Their faith in Christ, their love for the saints, and the hope laid up for them in heaven. I think today we've got a, a misconception about what faith is. We think, I know there are people right now that believe, that say, look, I, I know I'm a Christian because I believe in God. I have faith in God. Folks, listen to me. Believing the existence in the existence of God is not the same thing as having faith in Christ. It's not the same thing. The devil believes in God. I mean, look, read through the book of Luke and Mark, and you'll see when Jesus encountered demons. Demons now. They said. I, we know who you are, the anointed one of, the, of God. Are you here to torment us before the time? I know who you are, the son of God. Leave me alone. <laughs> so just knowing that he is doesn't mean you're right with God. It's trusting in what Christ did on our behalf, that he paid for our Dead of sin, that's what it means to have faith in Christ. And that's what these Colossians had. And not only did they have faith, but they had love for all the saints. Now look, this isn't the kind of love that the world talks about. You know, we can love people that love us, can't we? I mean, it's, listen, it's not hard to show love for people that love you. The kind of love Paul's talking about is to love those who are unlovable. You know, we can love the unlovely in other people. You know why? Because God loved the unlovely in us. People don't have to earn our love. Because we didn't earn God's. We don't earn his love. You know why he loves us? Because God is love. He is love. So listen, if there's somebody you can't love, you, you got a problem, not them. 
We're called to love. By this shall all men know you, my disciples, if you have love for one for another. Listen, our love for other believers ought not ever be a question. People out there need to know we love them. You know that? People outside of Christ need to know we love them. Your drug-addicted daughter, your drunk daddy, your spouse that's cheating on you, whatever it is, they need to know you love them. Woman taken in adultery had caught right at red-handed. Woman married five times and then lived with a man. Jesus didn't condemn any of them. Not then. They knew he loved them. Not only faith and love, but look, hope. And I like the way this is phrased. Look, he says, when I heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. <coughs> that could be translated a couple of different ways. And I, I wrote down, I said, it's either their faith and love were grounded in or based on their hope in heaven. In other words, they had faith, <coughs> excuse me, they had faith and love because of their hope. Or Paul was grateful that due to their faith and love, they had hope in heaven. Either way, listen, either way, it's a hope outside of ourselves. It's a hope in something that's promised. It's a hope, listen, it's hope in the promise of God. It's the kind of hope like Abraham had. When God came and said, Abraham, you're fixing to have a son of your own. You and Sarah. Now I'm going to paraphrase. Look, Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90. Now ladies, let that sit with you a minute. Picture yourself 90 years old and an angel coming and saying, you're going to have a baby. Romans chapter 5 says, Abraham hoped against hope. And he trusted the promise of God. You see, here's what biblical hope is. You ready? When there's no hope. That's what it means to hope because you're hoping in the promise of God. You're hoping in the promise of God, in the word of what God has promised. So what did they, what did they learn from Pat? He goes on and he says, the latter part of verse uh, five, he said, of this you heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in all the whole world that is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. So what did they learn from Epaphras? They learned this, that the gospel is the word of the truth and they learned that the grace of God in truth. They learned the grace of God in truth. You know, I wonder sometimes if people know what grace even is. And you know, I've heard it defined before as that grace is unmerited favor. It means we can't earn favor with God, right? This means yes, this means no. You understand what I'm saying? Grace is unmerited favor. In other words, it's favor that we don't earn. But I think it's a little deeper than that even. Listen, it's favor that is given to those who've done everything not to deserve it. You think on your life right now. Have you, what in your life can God look at and say, that's worth me having grace for? There's nothing. There's not a thing you can do that's good enough, that's holy enough, that's righteous enough, that pleases him enough, that God says, I'm going to bless that. Everything about us, listen, I'm sorry, is a, is a filthy rag on our own. Everything is. Every good thing you can muster up. James said, if it's not by faith, it's sin. It's done out of faith in God and trusting him and, and him working through us. That's what grace is. 
It's for people who've done everything they can to demerit God's favor. So Paul's content, he prayed continually for him. Look in verses 9 and 10. Boy, I got 26 minutes. Good gracious. We're, going, we're doing good. Is everybody awake? I know those biscuits were good gracious. Biscuits and gravy after all. All right, so. Verse 9 and 10. And so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Look, what they needed, <laughs> let me go on, verse 10. To be filled with spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now that's a mouthful. And I want you to pay it to look at what Paul said what they needed and what we needed to be filled with was this, was the knowledge of his will. That's what we, now look, he said that you may, that you may be filled. And that's a word, that's, it, it shows potentiality. That means, listen, it's not necessarily going to happen. God doesn't just take every single believer and fill them with, with spiritual wisdom and understanding. You know why? Because you have not, because you ask not. You know why we're, we're not, we're spirits without spiritual wisdom and understanding? Because we don't want it bad enough to ask for it. Because you know what? When you know certain things, it's going to call you to act and do certain things differently. Listen, if I know that, that means I'm going to have to serve over here. Ooh, if I know God's word, I mean, they're going to want me to teach. Shut and listen, willful. God never blessed stupidity. You know that? God doesn't bless willful ignorance. I, I mean, it's, stupidity is not a spiritual gift. Being simple is not a spiritual gift. Why they needed to be filled. Verse 10. I want to, listen, if this grips you like it did me, we need spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Amen. I want to ask you to do something. I want you to picture behind me. We want to picture, there's one back, there's a cross back there. I want you in your mind to picture a man beaten beyond recognition. Bleeding. A crown of thorn on his head. Nails piercing his hands and feet. Nailed to that cross. And then hear this, these words. Live worthy of that. Can you live worthy of that? That's what he's asking. We can't live life worthy of that of that sacrifice and be spiritually ignorant. You see why? We've got to know the why of it all. Oh, folks, listen to me. God will pour it out if you'll, if you'll ask him for it. He'll pour it out for us. Listen, you get a bunch of people. <laughs> Look what God did with 12. You know what we need is some more men like that, that. They introduced Paul. These men who turned the world upside down. Now they're here. You know, we need some more men and women that are willing to turn the world upside down. And the only way it's going to happen is that we're willing to leave our safety behind. You know, we've got four gods in this country. Four gods. You know who they are? 
Safety, security, comfort, and convenience. All four of them. Safety, security, comfort, and convenience. Those are the four, four gods we worship in America. So they need to be strengthened. Verse 11. Excuse me, back up. To walk worthy of the Lord. Look what he said, fully pleasing him. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now I want you to hang on to what those two phrases in the subsequent weeks when he talks about spiritual wisdom and understanding and then increasing in the knowledge of God. That's going to be very important in the coming weeks as we look at the false teaching that was coming into Colossae. So as you read through it, and I trust you will, you'll see why that's important because biblical knowledge is different than worldly knowledge. Okay, and there was biblical knowledge, knowledge of God is different from the knowledge these other people were trying to bring into the church. And it's still happening today. So they need to be strengthened, verse 11. Again, may you be strengthened. It's not going to happen without our asking for it. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience. And I'm going to tell you, if there's ever anything we need in churches today, it's endurance and patience. And let me tell you what that means there. Listen, that word, the word endurance there, it comes from a Greek word, a compound Greek word. And it means under and abide. Those two words, under and abide. It means stay under. To stay under. And the other word in the English, in, uh, English Standard Version is not just to be endure, but to be patient. Now, here's what those two words mean. I've got it in your notes here. It's endurance. It's a self-restraint which does not hastily retaliate against wrong. Can you think of the last time somebody did you wrong? I mean, just flat did you dirty. We want to get even, don't we? We want to make sure they know that we know they hurt us. You know what Paul is saying? We need to be strengthened so we'll bear up under that thing without retaliating against that person, without holding against them, without bearing a grudge, without becoming bitter. Because that's the root of bitterness is when somebody harms you when you've not done nothing wrong. You don't deserve it. And you hold on to that thing. You ever seen bitter people? I mean, it just, it's on their face. You can tell when they're bitter. And it just, it, it etches lines and, and they just got this permanent scowl on their face. Folks, listen to me. Bitterness will eat you up from the inside out. It's like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. I mean, how stupid is that? I mean, I drink strychnine hoping it kills you. Well, <laughs> duh. That's what it is when you, when you don't forgive somebody. That's what it means when you hold a grudge. That's what it means when you, become, when you don't know how to control your anger and your temper. I say that for somebody that knows has been there. Ask my wife. Boy, one of the first things God had to do in me was deal with my temper. God bless my children. It's a wonder any one of them talks to me today. I mean explosive. I, I could cut my son with my tongue from here to the back of the room. And I think back on that and I think, and today when he's 44 years old and he said, Dad, I sure love you. God, thank you for the kind of man you are. God. Grace. Grace. That's all grace. <clears throat> But then patience is the temper that doesn't easily succumb when suffering. 
You see how those two work together? You see, endurance doesn't retaliate when it's wronged. And patience doesn't give up when it suffers. So one stands against wrath and revenge. And the other one stands against doubting and depression. You see why we need that? I mean, that's why we need that. I mean, what better way for us to pray for one another? Can you think of a better way to pray for, for other members of, of Wales Baptist Church? And right here, look, from verse 9 down through verse 12. If we would just pray that for one another, what, what would God do? God, would you give us the spirit of wisdom and understanding and the knowledge of you, of your will, so we can walk worthy of what you've done for us. Man, if we just prayed that, you want to know how to pray for whales? I can just chat. Pray this. Just pray these few verses. But then through it all, through it all, he said, with joy, giving thanks. And then, see, in the midst of, while you're enduring and suffering, you do it with joy, giving thanks. God, thank you for what you're teaching me because they did me wrong. Have you asked, ever asked God to teach you something because somebody else mistreated you? Let that sink in. When somebody wrongs you, when somebody mistreats you, it's probably God showing you something about yourself first. Because if I retaliate, if I'm angry, the God says, Steve, if a man doesn't control, if a man doesn't have self-control, he's like a city broken down without walls. That's what got me. A man has no self-control. It's like a City broken down without wall. Listen, I left myself open. That's what happens when you have an, a temper, when you have anger issues. I mean, you leave yourself open for, this, for the enemy to attack. Wide open. I mean, you're just inviting him. Come on in. Well, I'm having my little fit here. Doesn't even succumb under suffering. Boy, I, I, we need to know how to suffer well. You know, I, I love what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, when life crushes you to the dust, worship there. Worship there. Now, I think of Job. I mean, all this that came against Job, and it said, you know, one right after another, and it said, when the last one left, it said, Job said he stood up. He tore his robe. He shaved his head. He covered himself in ashes. And he fell on his face and he worshiped. Where does that come from? You know where it comes from? It comes from somebody that has enough spiritual wisdom and understanding of who their heavenly father is to know that there's a reason for it. Job's. But in the end, God said, Job, my servant, spoke rightly of me. And you other three idiots are going to the woodshed. <laughs> now, here's what got me. Not only giving thanks to the Father, here's why. Because he's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He's made you fit. Amen. He's prepared you, not you. That's right. Look, he's qualified us. He rescued us from the domain of darkness. He transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have the forgiveness of sins, our redemption.
Folks, you see why Paul said, him we proclaim. Him we proclaim. All of what, what has gone before here, that he's praying for these people in, Car in, in Colossae. Why does he pray that? Here's why. Because he qualified us, he rescued us, he delivered us, and he's redeemed us. If he's done all that for us, don't you think we can pray for spiritual wisdom and understanding? Don't you think we can stand? Having done all to stand, no matter what comes against us. That's what it means. That's what Paul is praying for these Colossian believers. These, these believers in the Colossian church. He was saying, look, there's somebody that's done it for you. He took your sin and he put it on like a coat. He wore your sin like a coat. And he died on that cross for your sin. But listen, he didn't just do that. He also took his cloak of righteousness, perfect obedience, and he put that on us. He clothed us in his righteousness. That's what it means about being in him. In him. We're in his vestments. We're in his cloak of righteousness. So when we stand before the Father, it's not on our own. We'll stand there dressed in this coat that is blood-stained. Price paid. And when the enemy stands up here to accuse, the Son of God can say, um, I paid for that. He doesn't answer for that. I did. I answered for that 2,000 years ago. He doesn't have to, an he doesn't have to answer that, that accuser over there anymore. I answered the accuser when I died for him. You see why I trust Christ? Why we should trust Christ? Because he delivered us to light. Have you done that? Have you done that? Have you trusted him to deliver you? You can't deliver yourself. And folks, listen, as believers, sometimes we can, we can forget about that and we can start trying to earn. Folks, you can never earn it. You can never, you know, there used to be a, I see tractor trailers going down the road. There were uh, Marines, U.S. Marines. And they had a big thing on the side. It had a saber, you know, and it said, earned, never given. You know what? We need the trucks going down the road. It, has, it said, salvation, given, never earned. It's given, never earned. You can't earn what you've been given. God gives it to those who repent and trust. You know what you do? Here's what you bring up here. You just put all that sin in your hands right here. And you just come up here and you say, God, this is all I got to offer you. All you can bring to God is your sin because that's all you got worth anything to him anyway. Because he takes that sin and puts it on his son and gives you the cloak. Don't bring good stuff up here that you hadn't got none. That's what God accepts. You understand what I mean? I want to ask you to respond before we leave. Some, however you need to. As a believer, maybe you've, you've neglected to grow in your knowledge and, and understand. Maybe you've, not, you've stopped seeking it. Maybe you've let other things crowd out seeking the Lord. Like Paul said, press on. Press on, I press on that I might know him. Paul, what? You know him. Yeah, I do, but I'm pressing on. I want to know more of him. I want to know more of him. The Old Testament even says, Hosea, press on. Let us press on to know the Lord.
Folks, it, you, we got to press on. Don't be lazy spiritually. Don't be spiritually lazy. And if you have been, folks, we need to repent of it. We need to repent of it. That's what I want to ask you to do. Either repent of our, as a believer, of our, our lack of pressing on, or maybe you just need to repent and come to Christ. And let him give you new life. He'll do it. He'll do it. Because he's good. Because he's good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your blessing. God, thank you for your goodness. God, thank you for your grace. God, we thank you that all we can bring is the very thing that separates us from you, and that's our sin. Father, I pray for somebody here this morning needs to, to bring that sin and lay it before you, God, that you would pray with them and, and work through that with them. Father, if there's believers here that need to repent of their, God, our sloth, God, each one of us have, have in some measure been slothful in our pursuing of you. God, we've let other, God, worldly things, God, get in the way. God, show us what those things are that we might press on to know you as you would have us to. God, thank you for your grace and for your mercy and God, for your patience. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.